So uh, this Sunday morning, you know, coming out, hit Beach Boulevard, and I see the car. You know, get behind it, you know, called it out, followed it, followed it. The guy pulled over. So I have him at gunpoint, right? And I notified, you know, dispatch and the officers that were working that had this guy at gunpoint. Had him at gunpoint so long, my shoulder started to hurt. So nobody was showing up? Nobody was showing up. Hey, Black and Blue fam, welcome to Black and Blue Podcast. But this is the street life version of the show, Black and Blue Street Life, where I take the Black and Blue Podcast out of the studio and into the streets. Today, I'm at an undisclosed location out here in Orange County with a very special guest. But hey, before we get to it, hey, again, my name is Dale, and I'm the host. I thank everybody for joining the show. Hey, hit me up on my social media pages as well. I'm everywhere, Black and Blue US. That's on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. TikTok, everything. So make sure you hit me on the uh, on the socials as well. So like I said, I'm in an undisclosed location in Orange County, California with a special guest. Everyone, please help me welcome to the show, Lorenzo Glenn. I almost forgot that. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. All right. How you doing, man? I'm blessed. Uh, you were blessed. Are we all, man? Today is windy out here. Hopefully you guys don't get too much of that in the... Uh, in the recording here, but uh, we're at a pretty cool location where I took it out of the studio so we didn't have to do it virtually, and you can see face to face, and they could, the, you know, the crowd could see you as well. Um, I said that you were out here in Orange County. Did you have a job out here in Orange County? Because I didn't say that in the monologue. Yeah, so I started my law enforcement career in Orange County with the city of Westminster, where I started in 1991. Uh, left there in 93 and then lateraled over to the Anaheim Police Department. That's where I finished my career after about 28, uh, about 28 years. All right. So after 28 years, what would you retire as? I retired as a lieutenant. Okay. All right. How long ago was that retirement? Uh, 2021, December 24th of 2021. Okay. A couple years ago. Yeah. What's, what's retirement like for you right now? It's busy. Is it? It's busy. I, what, I keep myself busy. What are you up to nowadays? So now... Um, Prior to my uh, retirement, I always worked for uh, Major League Baseball. So I did some, some part-time work with them. Um, so I still work with um, Major League Baseball. I'm assigned to the Angels, uh, what they call the resident security agent. So I j actually just got back from Japan uh, wow. a couple weeks ago. Um, I was assigned to team, US, uh, team Japan in the World Baseball Classic. Okay. So you saw um, you know, our Angel star over there. Um, uh, Shohei. Shohei, Atani, Atani, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, so you saw him over there. He was oh, yeah. dominating from what I understand. Oh, yeah. yeah? Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. And what do you kind of do with them? 
So I was just assigned to uh, the team security. Um, and so wherever the team went, that's where I went, just to provide an added level of security for the team. Nice. And, uh, and, and you do work for the Angels. Is that the same sort of thing you do with the Angels? So I'm, a, I'm assigned to, um, I work out of the commissioner's office, and, but assigned to the, the Angels. Okay. So how'd you get that gig? So that was back in 2006 when I st first started with, um, with Major League Baseball because they started what they called an authentication program. So there's an authenticator there at every Major League Baseball game, probably two, just to, you know, track milestones, you know, game use, you know, pitches or broken bats and things of that nature. So whatever the player wants or whatever Major League Baseball wants, there's an authenticator there at every Major League Baseball game. Okay. And how long have you been doing that now? So I was an authenticator for four years. So I did that from 2006 to 2010. And then from 2010, I went over to uh, what we call the resident security agent. So that's the liaison between the commissioner's office, the, the ball club, and the police department. Wow. That's what's up. That's what's yeah. up. So you a baseball guy? Or? Uh, yeah. I actually, you know, played baseball when I was little, you know, uh, but then started playing football. But uh, always loved the sport of baseball. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a, you know, it's I'll say it's my third favorite sport, you know, behind basketball and football. But you know, I always follow uh, the Angels. Actually, going to an Angel game on Saturday with, with some buddies. So, okay. you know, yeah. So yeah, it's gonna have it's a good time. Yeah, baseball is a good time where you can you know just hang out with your buddies and uh, and just chill while you're watching the game. So yeah, yeah it's a good time, good time. Um, so Anaheim, what, what was that experience like for you? It was it was interesting um, because when I left um, the city of Westminster. I didn't know anything about Anaheim. So it was interesting because I drove around one night just to see if there was any African Americans there. Um, and I found, you know, a guy that uh, was on a traffic stop and, uh, you know, ended up talking to him, asked him what his experience was like, you know, if he liked Anaheim Police Department. Uh, obviously he did. And that's kind of what got me over there. Westminster's not that far from Anaheim, though, right? Right. Okay. It's like, like two I, cities over. Oh, okay. All right. All right. And then, so you, what drew you to Anaheim as opposed to Westminster? Ooh, you want to get into it? Yeah, or, let's get into okay, it. Okay, let's get into it. So it's just us. It's just us. Okay. So, um, so at the time um, when I, you know, came home from college, I came home from college in December of '90. Um, my stepdad actually worked with, at the time, the chief police, his wife. And so that's kind of how that, that process got started because, you know, my parents, everybody knew I was interested in law enforcement. And so um, my stepdad said, when you're ready, you know, you know apply at Westminster because I know the chief of police wife. So that's what I did. Um, and then I went to the police academy in, in 91, January 91, and then um, graduated in May. And that's when I started my law enforcement career. But... I want to say in 1994, 95, somewhere around there. No, I'm sorry, 1992. Mm -hmm. uh, watch commander called me in the office and says, "Hey, um, a reporter wants to do an article on you, and it's it's basically about um, disparity in law enforcement. You know, just uh, you know." So diversity I said, disparity. Di diversity okay. disparity in law mm -hmm. enforcement, especially at at uh, in Orange County, because at the time. At Westminster, I was the second African American there. The first African American hired me, and he was a, he was a, he was a lieutenant at the time, or sergeant, and then ended up um, 
making lieutenant. And, and how big was Westminster at the time? At that time, it was 101 sworn. Okay. And then a person, you know, became my best friend, Fred Small. He got hired right after me. So it's him and I. And Fred and I knew some of the same people. Like, he knew my brother. He knew another brother of mine, J.C. Pearson. They played uh, football at um, University of Washington. So we came in the same circles. And, you know, we hit it off. So, but going back to this article, so I said a lot of things in the article about not wanting to cause attention to myself. Because that was back then in 92, it was like, you know, people were wearing the, the X hats, you know, the cross colors and things like that. So I made a, made a point not to wear that stuff because I didn't want to cause attention to myself. I just wanted to, you know, do my job, be professional. And so I said some things. You didn't the do article. the crisscross with the wearing the stuff backwards and all that? No, <laughs> not, not, not the PD. No. <laughs> so it was interesting because I did the article. They came out, did a ride along, and, you know, said some things about my experiences up until that point. And the article came out the day the riots ended in LA. Okay, the Rodney King ones? Yeah. Yep. And so Fred is the one who actually saw the article first. And he said it was a good article, right? So people at work that read the article got upset with me about some of the things that I said. Because one of the things I said is like, you know, you can call me the N-word all day long. You know, I've been called that, you know, but if you call me boy, that's, to me, that, that, that hurt more. You know what I mean? Just because of that, everything that, you know, that implied, you know, that I was less than. And so people who I thought were my friends um, kind of shunned me. And so that same lieutenant had called Fred in the office and said, hey, you need to have a talk with Glenn because a lot of people are upset with what he said in this article. And I hate for him to call for a follow-up and him not get one. Mm -hmm. And Fred knew, like, he's like, you can't do nothing. Don't do anything. You know, just see how this plays out. And I remember one day, I was leaving the back lot of the uh, police department. And in Orange County, they, called this, they have this thing called Red Channel. So Red Channel is a countywide broadcast that would notify, you know, other agencies if there's a pursuit coming in their jurisdiction or if there's a crime broadcast you know, something that, you know, Orange County agencies wanted to be aware of. If something happened in Anaheim, you know, we do a crime broadcast where other agencies would know what we're looking for, what the crime was, et cetera. So in this particular instance, there is a crime broadcast of a vehicle that was used in a burglary, and they gave a partial plate, you know. So uh, this Sunday morning, you know, coming out, hit Beach Boulevard, and I see the car, yep. you know, get behind it, you know, called it out, followed it, followed it. The guy pulled over. So I have him at gunpoint, right? And I notified, you know, dispatch and the officers that were working that had this guy at gunpoint. Mm -hmm. Had him at gunpoint so long, my shoulder started to hurt. Wow. So nobody was showing up? Nobody was showing up. And then Fred was on the other side of the, the city. He showed up. And that, at that point, I said, Fred, I can't, I can't stay here. Wow. You know what I mean? I remember writing a memo saying that, you know, a lot of things got taken out of context, but it, it, it didn't because that's how I felt. But I needed to do that because, you know, basically for my survival. And I remember because when I picked shifts, Fred was right behind me. We'd always pick a shift where we both were there. 
And after that article came out, you know, normally, you know, you would talk amongst officers and then people would handle the calls and, and that was it. You know what I mean? There, there was no interaction, yeah. you know? So it got to the point where I said, you know what? I couldn't stay here. And then, you know, Fred came from a, you know, a sports background. He grew up with Eric Davis and Daryl Strawberry, played in the NFL for a few years. And so what we tried to do was, you know, take the spotlight off of us. You know, we organized celebrity basketball games and, and things like that. But it got to the point where I told Fred I couldn't, I couldn't stay there. But I still lived in the city. Okay. And then several years later, after I left for Anaheim, Fred was still there, and it, he ended up suing the uh, the city for racial discrimination. That's what I was going to ask you because in the early '90s and all that, it was kind of not the time where you know people were you know suing for whatever you know uh, hostile work environments and all that sort of stuff. Um, sounds like you were going through it, and it sounds like Fred was going through it. Oh, Fred went through it a lot worse than I did, yeah. because at the time he was assigned to a special unit. Uh, he was assigned to a partner. I think there was four, four of them at the time, plus a sergeant. So um, the gang unit at that time had served a search warrant at a white supremacist location. And one of the signs that, that was taken during evidence, it said nothing but whites. And so when Fred was out on the field one day, uh, they called him back in the office. So everybody was in the office and waiting for Fred to come in because what they did was they placed that nothing but white sign over Fred's cubicle and wanted to see his reaction. And Fred played, he was a linebacker in the NFL. So he was 6'4", you know, 250, yeah. you know, rock solid dude. And, you know, obviously that affected him because when they called him in the office, everybody laughed. But obviously it wasn't funny to Fred because right when he, he got there, he took a picture of it and drove straight to my house. You know, and that sergeant left it, that sign up there for, for three weeks. Wow, three weeks. Mm -hmm. Didn't take it down. Didn't take it down. Wasn't thinking about taking it down. Mm -mm. Wow, wow, yeah. wow. And uh, so he finally ended up suing. How, how long did he do over there? So he left. I can't remember what year he left, but he ended up going to Inglewood uh, uh, Police Department. Okay. And then 2003, he, he ended up losing his life. Uh, on a motorcycle accident. I'm sorry to hear that. Was yeah. it off duty or? No, it was on duty. He was, he was on his way home. And uh, it was, <clears throat> his wife had called me and said, Fred just went down on his motor on the 57 to 60. And I said, do you want me to go out there? She's like, no, it's, it's you know, I think it's minor because he's, he's up and talking. I said, okay, let me know if you need me to, to go out there. And they, they live fairly close. And so she had made it out there and she called me back and said, Fred just went into cardiac arrest and they're taking him to this hospital. And so when I got to the hospital, um, I heard Robin, you know, screaming like, you know, I've never heard a woman scream before. And then I knew that's when Fred had passed. Wow, that, but, that's, that's terrible. Yeah, that's terrible. And the hardest thing that I had to do was pull Robin off of Fred and then go home and tell you know, his daughter that daddy wasn't coming home again. Wow, and how long ago was that? That was 2003. 
2003. Mm -hmm. Sorry for your loss and sorry for that family's loss yeah. as well. And then, uh, so you were already at Anaheim at yes. that time? Uh -huh. All right. And uh, what was your experience like over at Anaheim? Ooh, so, um, I remember in 1994 when I was in training, um, I met a guy by the name of Johnny Estrada. And he was the first, or one of the first African Americans that got hired at, at Anaheim. And so he's taking me to the, to the heliport, and I asked him about his experiences. And he was, he was honest, uh, brutally honest with me, because I had no idea the things that he went through. You know, just the, everything that, you know, he'd went through. And I remember asking him, I go, how come you didn't leave? And he told me, he goes, because if I left, brothers like you wouldn't be here. And he, and he told me, he said, it's your responsibility to take this to the next level. And, and those words always stuck with me because he was a patrol person at that time. He had been there 20 plus years. And I asked him like, did you ever put in for special assignments? Did you do this or do that? So he goes, you know what? After about the 11th time of hearing no, I got the, you know, I got the hint. Got the idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, man. I don't know if I could do it. And, and just everything that I went through at, at Westminster was minuscule to the things that he went through. Right, right. And you were saying that you were kind of going through that, you were hearing it um, from his mouth. Mm -hmm. Did you kind of think, you know, maybe I made a mistake coming over here? No, that really didn't, uh, did not weigh in my mind because I'm the per type of person that I always have to pro prove you wrong, right? You know, so, and I go back to my athletic career, right? Um, because I started to play football my senior year in high school. And at that time, I was like a buck 35. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, my brother played at that very high level. Um, he played at University of Oklahoma, uh, played with Brian Bosworth and okay. won a national with, championship. With the boss, huh? Yeah, All yeah. Right. All right. Yeah, so I wanted to follow in his footsteps, so I went to uh, Fullerton College. And then worked on, you know, learning, learning the game and everything like that. Ended up getting a scholarship and went to University of Montana. And back in 88 and 89, there was a lot of uh, African-Americans at Montana other than, you know, playing sports. So I always wanted to prove people wrong because people said I was too little, you know, couldn't do this, too, couldn't do that. So I always had that mindset, especially in the police department. Yeah because that's something that I always wanted to do, and I didn't want anybody to take that away from me. You know, something that I had to control. Right. What position did you play? Receiver. Okay. Well, you went too small. I mean, by today's standards, maybe. Yeah. You know, when you got six, five receivers, but, yeah. you know, when you got, uh, what, Tyreek Hill, he's, what, he's like five, seven, whatever. Yeah, but he's blazing fast. Yeah, he's blazing fast. So. You didn't have wheels like that, does No, nothing not, not like that. Nobody's got wheels like that. Nobody's got wheels yeah. like that. All right. So, um, so you went through, you, you decided to stick it out. Decided and, to stick uh, it out. Okay. Mm -hmm. What was your career like over there? Uh, it was, I was blessed. You know, I was blessed. But I remember a person saying something to me that had always stuck with me because we, we would, you know, we would talk about different things, you know, about, you know, there's people that you let into your, you know, your environment, you know what I mean? People that, you know, you show your vulnerabilities to. And we started talking about, you know, 
race and prejudice and, and things like that. And this person said to me, and he said he felt that black people are lazy by nature. And I said, hmm, if you feel that, what, is, what does that say about me here at this police department? Right. You know what I mean? So my thing to that person was, I'm going to prove you wrong based on my work ethic, based on how I handle myself. You know what I mean? Very easy to get upset, but I wanted to have a seat at the table, meaning I wanted to be a decision maker, you know, to give that different perspective. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So how would you go about that? What would you do then? So I just let my, like I said, let my work ethic, let my um, professionalism, you know, dictate how people felt about me. Because, you know, you're in law enforcement, you're only... People know you based on your reputation yep. and how you handle yourself, yep. right? Because I always sit there and say, um, adversity reveals who you are. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's, so when, when you're going through it, people are going to look at you and see how you handle adversity. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so your career over there at Anaheim, what, what sort of stuff did you do over there? So I, I've worked... Um, Gangs was my first detail, then went over to um, street narcotics. I did that for... That's one thing people don't realize. Anaheim, they, they hear Disneyland. They got some gangs over there. Oh, yeah. They got some, some stuff going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So back when I used to have hair, <laughs> <laughs> I remember, you know, I had cornrows and, and stuff like that. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. all right. Yep. Yeah, so yeah. was, uh, you know, working dope as at the street level. You know, did some undercover stuff, which was very, you know, fulfilling. Obviously, you're working with a tight group of, of guys, and so um, that was very fulfilling. You know, worked um, as a detective in auto theft, and then was promoted to sergeant in 2003. And then as a sergeant, worked, you know, a bunch of different details, tourist-oriented policing detail. I worked internal affairs, uh, worked as a community services uh, sergeant, uh, oversaw our uh, police athletic league, our PAL program, which we later changed to, um, um, I forget, I forget the name, but um, but did a lot of different things. What, but, was that because maybe the person that came up with it copyrighted that name? I know there was something like that with um, Shop with a Cop. Oh. There was a, there was a the guy who came up with that term copyrighted it, so all the other police departments across the country couldn't say shop with a cop anymore. They had to change it to, you know, helpers with Santa or whatever. Oh. Yeah, yeah. No, so it wasn't like that, was it? No, it wasn't like that. I think we just wanted to change the name for, for branding purposes. Okay. You know what I mean? So um, we came up with our own brand, but we're still affiliated with, with the PAL program, the National PAL, you know, Police Ex uh, Assistance League. So okay, okay. I did that for a few years. Um, test for Tested for lieutenant for quite a few times. Um, that was a humbling experience, you know. Um, but every time I felt like quitting, um, I always remember that that Johnny said, you know what I mean? Like it's your responsibility, right. you know, to to take it to the next level. Because at that time, there's no African Americans that reach the rank the lieutenant or above. Yeah. Now, did they kind of give you some constructive criticism on you know what you needed to improve on or? Or anything like that, so that you could make it. Yes and no. You know, you know. Sometimes I said you're right there. You know, but human human nature. You can sit there and compare your, you know, uh, resume to the person or people that that got, you know, yep. promoted. Mm -hmm. So you start to to do that. 
and um, and I remember because I started to go down the path of being really disgruntled. You know what I mean? And the deputy chief at the time that I wor actually worked with in gangs, he pulled me aside and he called me on it. You know, and that was the first time I said, you know what? You're right. You know, I have, I'm at a fork in the road. You know what I mean? So I took a look at myself and said, you know what? There's things I, I could have done better. Um, so I started taking responsibility for some of the things that, that I did, so. Nice, nice. And then you finally got promoted, mm -hmm. when was that? 2015. 2015, all right. And then uh, what, what were you over in, uh, as a lieutenant? So I was over, uh, first of all, you know, being a watch commander, that's basically where you, where you start, weekend, graveyard. Yep, we talked <laughs> about that, we talked about that. Yeah, yeah. and then my first uh, assignment outside of patrol was, was traffic. And then from traffic, I was a district commander um, from our south and east district. And then I went over to oversee our west district and our homeless outreach and our, our PERT team, our psych psychiatric emergency response team. And then I finished up my career as a detention facility and a air support commander. Now, that psychiatric team that you just mentioned, was that more uh, teaming up with social workers? Were you guys ahead of the curve of, you know, what everyone was talking about, you know, letting social workers handle calls or teaming them up with police officers? Or so what, what was that unit? Uh, sorry, but yeah, but um, we were the first only agency, and we're still the only agency in Orange County to have a full-time uh, officer and a uh, social worker assigned to uh, and respond to, to calls for service. You know what I mean? So um, what we did was when I oversaw the, the, the team, we took them out of, you know, a uniform. They put them in plain clothes and we follow up on um, calls for service out in the field. And then now, since I, since I left, we have two teams. You know, we have two uh, clinicians that ride with, with officers and we provide seven day week coverage. What sort of stuff do they do? So we follow up on all mental health type calls for service. So if an officer, you know, goes out and it's a, you know, somebody that's threatening to injure themselves or something like that, and it's, if this team is on, they'll respond um, and deal with, you know, the person in crisis. A lot of times what we'll do is provide the family's uh, resources. Yeah. And then uh, we also do the follow-up on that too. So if, if the team is not working, and somebody gets uh, a mental health hold evaluation, that team will follow up and provide, you know, that person, the family resources. Yeah. And you did mention that, that the officer, the sworn person, is out of uniform mm -hmm. and in plain clothes. What, what kind of brought that on? Because a lot of times what we see, too, is that the uniform will trigger that person. And so what we wanted to do is, is take away that, that trigger. Um, does it happen all the time? No, but uh, what was interesting is that in the seven years that we've had this team, I think those officers are only involved in two uses of forces. And one of them was just a hobble, you know what I mean? So I think the data there kind of sp spoke to itself. For the, uh, for the viewers that don't know what a hobble is, that's, you know, the, the tied around the yes. legs and, you know, you're supposed to sit them up and all that so they don't fixate, but yeah. yeah, that's that's all that was, was just mm -hmm. tying them up, huh? Right. 
Because they were probably kicking or something like that. Yeah, Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then uh, you mentioned that you were over traffic. You, you didn't ride, though, did you? Oh, no. My, yeah. my skin and the concrete <laughs> did, did not mix. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you ever ridden? I, I had a motorcycle, but, um, you know, those that ride motorcycles, not if you're going to go down, it's when you're going to go when. down. It's when, yep. Yeah. No, no doubt, no doubt. And not too many lieutenants are riding anyway, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's, what, 40 hours long. Yeah. You know, a friend of mine that... Uh, I brought in as a sergeant, he went down during training, and it was a 40 D cell, so you're, you're hitting 40 miles an hour, you know, you're stopping without skidding. He went over the handlebars and, you know, got pretty good road rash, and I was like, that, that right there was a deterrent for me. Mm, mm. And traffic's got to be a big thing in Anaheim with all the tourists and all that sort yeah. of stuff. How, how big is the traffic unit? So now, back then, we had probably 24 motors you know, three sergeants, um, but now, obviously, um, you know, everybody's hurting for staffing, so those numbers went down quite a bit. And I was talking about Anaheim as a big tourist haven. You've got, you know, Disneyland, you've got the sports teams, and what was that experience like, uh, you know, working for Anaheim with all this tourist attraction stuff going on? It was good. It was great. You know, obviously, there's a, there's a lot of, you know, um, venues for us to work, in overtime capacity, uh, so you get you get to see a lot of sporting events, concerts, and, and things like that. Um, but it, it was great; it really was. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and Disneyland's the, the big one in town. Um, you know, what's that experience with Disneyland? Do they? I told you we, I went to uh, Orange County um, Sheriff's Academy, mm -hmm. and I had a classmate that was uh, with Anaheim, and we would joke, you know, Disneyland PD and, and <laughs> Disneyland handles, you know. You know, owns, you know, the, the city and the PD, they, you know, just like any other city, you know, they, they're political, you know, in politics, they've, they've got a stronghold, I'm sure. What was that like? You know, whatever Disney wanted, they got or? Well, fortunately for us, you know, uh, Disney and City of Anaheim Police Department entered, entered, entered into a contract. So you have contract officers that, that work down there and Disney pays their salary and, and staff. But like you said, I, when I was there as a sergeant, I worked the tourist-oriented policing detail, which we had a substation down by, by Disney. And I went to D Disney University, you know, so they put me through that. Disney University, what, what is that? You know, just learning, you know, customer service, how, how Disneyland, their employees operate, you know. And it was, it was eye-opening experience, you know, because that's something that, you know, I wasn't really used to, but I understand, you know, their way of thinking, their politics, you know, everything that, that they um, want to do and have their guests, yep. you know. Yep. Now, unlike the Fast and the Furious, where they say family all the time, Disney really is about that family, right? That 100%. Definitely about that family life. And um, so, you know, going back to your experience at Anaheim PD, when you left, what was, you know, the, the, the rate of, you know, people of color in, in the department when you left? Well, um, I, I, mean, I would assume it eventually got a little better, right? A little better. There's one area that um, we can't overcome that hurdle, and that's African-American females. Okay. You know, I've, I've been there because um, I'm still there in a, in a part-time capacity, so I, I, sh I show up every week. So um, in the past 30 years, we've only had one African-American, you know, sworn female. And I don't understand why we can't get any more. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. What, what do you think that's about? I don't know. Um, 
I mean, you got to be intentional to go out and try to recruit African American females. We have a full time recruitment team. They do a fine, you know, fantastic job. But for whatever reason, I don't think it's just Anaheim in specific. I think it's Orange County. You, you know what I mean? Uh, they call it the Orange Curtain for a reason. You, you know what I mean? Because you, when you take a look at LA County agencies and other agencies, you know, outside of Orange County, there's there's an abundance of African American females. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you said the orange curtain. What, what's kind of like the demographics of Anaheim itself? I mean, it's largely, you know, you would think it wasn't, but it is a largely Hispanics, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, majority has Hispanic population. Wow. Um, Anaheim probably has got a 2.2% African-American population. And how big is it? You know, which, which, let me go back, because what's interesting, because Anaheim hosts the the Black History Parade every year, <laughs> you, you know what I mean, for Orange County. For Orange County, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I, I don't know what the numbers are per se, but it's very small, you know, very small African-American uh, community. Right. Is there any city in Orange County that uh, probably not, it's probably the most in Anaheim, right? I think Maybe most Santa Ana, maybe? Santa Ana used to be, because that's where I grew up in Santa Ana. Okay. You know, I grew up in Santa Ana in the, you know, the 70s. Um, and it was, uh, you know, where we lived, you know, over by Jerome Park and every, that used to be a predominantly African-American, um, population there. But over the years, everybody, you know, end up moving out. Yep. 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 For a number of reasons, mm -hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure. But, uh, you know, you gotta be intentional. It sounds like they, you know, they're trying to recruit. Everybody's trying to recruit right. nowadays. Um, what, what, what do you think is going to be the uh, end result of, of, you know, recruitment and trying to get people, you know, of all colors and, and sexual orientations in, into law enforcement? Because it sounds like, uh, seems like nowadays a lot of people don't want to be cops. That's what, that's what you start to see a little bit. I, I think our numbers are, are, are increasing as well other police departments. But like you said, we're, we're all pulling for the same pool of people. And so it's what does that particular... Um, police department or municipality or sheriff's department offer that candidate, you know what I mean? Because we'd sit there and talk about family, you know, come, you know, be a part of our family. And, you know, that's something else that, you know, I like to talk about as far as the law enforcement family too. Yeah, absolutely. Because Anaheim's a good paying department, but you know, money's not everything. It, it helps. It yeah. helps a lot. But you know, like I said, if if you don't see you know anyone that looks like you in positions of leadership, you know, maybe that's a kind of deterrent. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anyone past lieutenant? Uh, you know, since you've retired over there? Nope. You were it, huh? Mm-hmm. We we have two African American lieutenants now. So. Okay. All right. Yeah. And then anyone in sergeant ranks? No. Wow. Still some work to do over there, huh? Mm-hmm. Still some work to do. All right. And so now you're, you're retired, semi-retired. You go to the PD, you know, once a week, you said, right? Is it once a week? A couple times a week. A couple times a week? A couple times a week. Still working for Major League Baseball? Still it sounds like you're staying busy? Yeah. yeah. And then um, I'm also doing some, you know, police uh, expert testimony work. Um, I was fortunate to, to meet a guy that's kind of trained me for the last couple of years, kind of taking me under his wing and, and showing me that, you know, the different um, aspects of being a, you know, court certified expert in- In, in what? Uh, uh, police use of force? Police practices, use of force okay. cases. 
All right. So one of these days we might see you like on CNN or you know, know Court that. TV or something, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, something like that. But one of the things, too, was interesting. Um, we talked about earlier about, you know, the George Floyd effect um, and what we went through, not as not only as a police department, but as a law enforcement you know, community. Um, and so I was asked to be a part of you know, this listening session, I was the only African-American um, officer that was on this board. It wasn't really a board, it was like a, a listening group that um, people within Orange County, um, African-Americans, predominantly African-Americans, my job was to kind of educate them on what we do in law enforcement. Because, you know, you always hear about, you, you know, you're in law enforcement, well, police should be doing this, well, we are. You guys should be doing this. We are. And so my job is to educate them in the policy and procedures, trainings, and things like that. So what we did was from 2020 to about 2020, end of 2021, I kind of put them through, you know, a series of, if you want to increase the, the, um, the trust between law enforcement and the community, I'm gonna invite you into our police department. We're gonna, you know, offer you some training. And one of the training is I'm gonna put you through the use of force simulator. You know what right. I mean? Right. Yep. And yep. that was an eye-opening experience for some people because now they see how th fast things can unfold. And my job was to explain not only when we can use force, you know, force options that are available, but, you know, Reaction is not going to be, you know, yeah. reaction is, is what it is. You can't out-train human behavior. Right, right, right. But, you know, people still got that TV effect where they watch on TV and they watch the old movies and shows where, you know, they shoot it, you know, from, you know, 100 yards out and they shoot the guns out of someone's hand. They say, you know, why can't you guys just shoot him in the, shoot him in the arm and shoot the gun out of his hand? And, you know, that's not realistic. But, right. you know, how do you counteract that? How do you combat that? Yeah, so it was funny because we put, we put a, a series of, a, of these uh, community members and also some of our elected officials through our use of force simulator. And one particular um, scenario was the use of force um, instructor said, okay, this person is going to shoot you. I'm, I'm letting you know right now, but you, know, you, get to, you get to stand just like this, but officers don't. And so basically the scenario is you're going to get called to a park where this guy is armed with a gun. But you get to start this way. So when he, you know, presents the threat, if you feel that you shoot, you stop when the threat is over. And so it was just a simple scenario with a, you know, tennis court in the background, person's just standing there and, you know, just approach this person and then the person just pulls a gun, shoots, and turns and runs. And that person, you know, reacted to the threat, fired about four or five times, and the scenario's over. And the use of force instructor says, did you shoot him in the back? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay, let's play it, play it over. He, you know, played it, he shot him in the back twice. Yeah. And the message, okay, now you're facing 25 years of life. Yeah. How fast things can, you know, can unfold. Right. Because the time it takes to start shooting something, but, you know, by the time your, your brain sees and starts to react to the threat, sometimes those things have changed. Yeah. 
and it takes time to stop shooting too. Yeah, yeah. And so those are the educational moments that people really need to understand. You know what I mean? So. And, and who are these people that are going through that, you know, get these realizations? Are they, you know, they're politicians, you know, at the city council? Or are they, you know, um, trustees at some college? Or, you know, who are these people? Are they community members? These are the ones that actually need to go through and see this. 100%. 100%. Because some of those are our biggest critics, yeah. you know, which we, which we invite sometimes, right? Absolutely, we yeah. We invite, because we have to have that conversation. And my message to the chief is that um, we're going to have these conversations and they're going to hurt, you know, because we have to address some of the things that law enforcement has um, has done, right? May, that might not have happened when I was there, but it's that perception that people have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's uh, you know, it's a good thing that you know we invite this these conversations with the community because, mm -hmm. like you said, you know, it needs to be done. And they need to see how we how we operate, and we need to see their side of the story as well. Because, like you said earlier, we come we come from the community, right? Right. We recruit from the community, and we're we're part of that community. So, all right, all right. Well, hey, uh, you know, I appreciate you coming through and uh, you know sharing your insight and your knowledge and all that and your experiences with uh, with Anaheim and Westminster and all that. Mm -hmm. um, but hey, you are not done. I told you, you know, we got some trivia here <laughs> to play for you. So okay. uh, let me get this set up for you here. Black or blue? 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 This is a black or blue game. If you look there on the screen. Okay. All right. And your category today, sir, is the house that Mickey built. We were talking about <laughs> <laughs> Disneyland. Um, and that's Disneyland versus Disney World. I actually did a, uh, a, uh, an episode last week. My last episode was with a sergeant from Orlando PD. Okay. And uh, I played the same game with him because, you know, Orlando has Disney World. So I'm going to show you some pictures of a ride of an attraction. You tell me, is that attraction either at Disneyland, Disney World, or both? Okay, so I got, I got a question. Yeah. It's, so just Disneyland, we're not talking about California Adventure. No, well. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, it could be California okay, Adventure, right. but at Disneyland here, here in Anaheim, or in Orlando, or both. Okay. Okay, all right. So, all right, let's get this back here for you. So, uh, Disneyland, Disney World, or both. All right, so here's your first one here. The Tower of Terror. Is that at Disneyland, Disney World, or both? I know it's at Disneyland. Disney World. I'm going to say both. Uh, that would be incorrect. It's only at Disney World. We used to have one then. Maybe you used to, but I know we have one. <laughs> no, there's it is only a Disney World. Only a Disney World. Alright, that's all right. We'll get you back on track here. How about Pirates of the Caribbean? That's gotta be both. Yeah, that is definitely both, dude. Yeah, it's definitely both. Especially as popular as that is. It's, right. it's gotta definitely be a both. Um, alright, so we got you one for one. How about um, Mission Space? Ooh. Oh, they used to have that. At, see, it's been a while since I've been at Disneyland. I'm going to have to say... <sighs> Mission Space. Mission Space. Disney World. That is correct. Yeah, only at Disney World. Kind of had to think of that. You know, Florida's got, you know, the, the space shuttle launches and all that. Right. Um, not too many of those out here in, in Anaheim, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, cool, cool. We got you going here. How about uh, Radiator Springs? That's the Cars ride. Oh, see, that's a California adventure. Yeah, see, that's definitely, yep. Disneyland, yep. All right. So for people that don't know, that's the, those are two separate parks. Right. Right on the Disneyland property, right? Yes. So, yeah, so California Adventure, all right? But we'll, we'll say that's Disneyland, all right? How about the, the Indiana Jones Temple of Doom? I'm gonna say Disney World. Disney World? Oh, come on, man. That is oh. only at Disneyland. Oh, dang. Yeah, so, yeah you haven't been, been in that long line over there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, oh, it's okay, it's all right. How about um, the Jungle Cruise? Another popular, popular no, that's ride. A and they I made a movie of it, so that's it kind of just like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. So there's, there's your clue there. Gotta be at both. Yes, it is at both. Yep. yep. Um, did you see that movie? I think The Rock was in it. Mm. Yeah, I never saw it, but yeah, I saw it. They had it. How about the test track? I think that would be the opposite of. Uh, the Radiator Springs Cars ride, the opposite of it. Yeah, that's gonna be a Disney World. Disney World, yeah, that is correct. Mm -hmm. yep. Give you a hint there, the opposite of the Cars ride. Yeah. <laughs> How about the uh, Grizzly River Run? Ooh, I think that might be a Disney man. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so you know that. You probably took your, your little kid there back then, back in the day. That's, I think that's one of those little kid rides. I'm, mm. I'm not sure, I don't remember that one. How about the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy? That's it. No, that's a that's, Disneyland. That's probably what you what yeah. you confuse with the Tower of Terror. Yes, that is a Disneyland. A um, couple more here for you. How about um, Expedition Everest? I've heard of that one. I think that would be at Disney World. Uh, that is correct. Yep. And your last one here. Another popular ride, Star Tours. That's a Star Wars. So popular movie, probably both. Yeah, it is it both? <laughs> <laughs> Try to give you some hints here. Uh, you know, it's probably been a while, like you said, going through Disney, Disney World. But hey, you are the winner of that. We got more right than we got wrong. Oh, hey. oh, there you go. That's a blessing. <laughs> I, I, I knew you. I knew you could do it. I knew you could do it. <laughs> hey, thanks for being a good sport on that. Um, Hey, again, like I said, I appreciate you, you know, coming out to this undisclosed location. I'm not going to tell anybody where we are. But, um, hey, before I get you out of here, how about some words of wisdom uh, for, the, for the viewers and the listeners? Uh, my words of wisdom is uh, when I got in law enforcement in 91, I knew how this job was going to change me, but I didn't really realize how it would change me. And I want to talk about mental health um, because I, there's at least – seven or eight officers that I personally know that have taken their own lives and how important us to recognize um, when we've had too much, you know, um, wellness, because if we can't take care of ourselves, we can't take a, care of anybody else. We can't take care of the community. So take care of yourself first and going to see a, a clinician or therapist doesn't mean you're weak because that was always you know, embedded in me when I was young. Um, but now that I'm, I'm retired, I have a wife that's in law enforcement, I have a daughter that's in law enforcement, I wanna see people make it through a career long and healthy. So, you know, please, you know, talk to somebody um, and, you know, please be safe. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I didn't ask you, I didn't get into your family, and then you just mentioned it right there. So um, your daughter is in law enforcement too, huh? Uh-huh. Is she sworn or? She's sworn. Oh, wow. Wow. So followed in dad and mom's footsteps, huh? Yeah. So what, what's so, that experience like for you being a dad? Being a dad, um, my wife now, she's, she's uh, my second wife. Okay. So, um, you know, just to, to understand what, you know, what it is and, and different challenges that a female has opposed to males. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So yeah. they come with all different, different challenges and just to be able to support, you know, both of them and understand the law enforcement culture uh, is big. Yeah. How long has your daughter been on? She's been on about six years. Okay, so she's not a rookie. Not a rookie. Yeah, she's, yeah so she knows her way around. Yeah. I'm sure you're still worried. That's, that's your baby. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Because she's still in patrol, hitting the streets. You yep. know, thank, thankfully, my wife is, isn't, mm -hmm. you know, but uh, it's still very stressful. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Yeah. I can imagine. Well, um, you know, good luck to her in her career, and good luck to you. Thanks for coming out. All right. Thank you. Appreciate you. All right. Yo, that's what's up, man. That was a great interview I just had with retired Lieutenant Lorenzo Glenn from Anaheim PD. Hey, Lieutenant, hey, I appreciate everything you went through over there in Anaheim and Westminster, and I wish you much success uh, with, your, with your endeavors over there still at Anaheim PD and with Major League Baseball. You guys enjoyed this episode as well. Hey, let me know by clicking those like, subscribe, and bell icons right down here on my YouTube channel or rate it five stars in your favorite podcast platform. You know I'm going to be back in two weeks with another episode just like this one. Uh, but till then, y'all know the phrase, stay black in blue. My name is Dale. I'll holler at you. Peace. This has been a Maitre D Entertainment presentation.